There is a section where one of my son's experiences that was particularly hard when he wasn't eating certain foods. I actually cry in it. I still cry when I read that mm. section. And so I think for those moms out there who write, your stories are gold. Mm. They come from your heart. They're important. And we need to hear them. If you're a busy mom, but you have writing goals and dreams that you're working on, this podcast is here to help you achieve them. My name is Jackie, and I'm a mother and an author of a self-published young adult novel and a firm believer in the power of moms to create. This podcast is about finding inspiration and insight. It's about learning new ways to fuel your writing and to share your writing with the world. And sometimes, actually all the time, it's about taking a moment to just laugh at and appreciate the crazy everyday chaos that is being a writing mother. Hey guys, it's Jackie. Welcome to another episode of These Mums Write. Today, I am very excited to introduce you to Lisa Burnalis. Lisa is a change management specialist in healthcare based out of Vancouver, BC, my own hometown. And she recently self-published her first book, a YA novella called Louis and the Dictator to help support her son and thousands of other children who suffer from OCD. If you are feeling overwhelmed by all of the different parts that go along with being a writer, then Lisa's story will provide you with some really great insights into how to get it all done and beautiful reminders about what it's really all about. Please welcome Lisa Bournalise. Hi Lisa, thanks for coming on the show today. Hi, thanks, Jackie. And for those who listen in on These Moms Right, very excited to be here. Awesome. So uh, I reached out to you because you wrote a novella based on your experience with your son. Tell me about that, what, what the journey has been like and what you hope to achieve with it. I'm a mom to a little boy with a mental health disorder called obsessive compulsive disorder. And for those of you unfamiliar with the condition, uh, according to the World Health Organization, it's a neuropsychiatric disorder. And imagine the thing you're most terrified of in the entire world occurring if you don't submit to a compulsion. So you might see on the TV someone who's excessively hand-washy or someone who's afraid of um, stepping on a crack. My son's condition manifested in different ways. Then the pandemic hit. So it's a very little understood and... um, funded conditions. So he had no supports in the school. And then suddenly his therapies and school had stopped and the, the, um, uh-huh. his symptoms just really manifested. And from that very dark period, Louis and the Dictator was born, which is um, the story of my son's experiences told in a fun, child-friendly um, adventure of how he dealt and overcame with some of those um, symptoms during the pandemic. Mm. And so what has it been like getting this book out in the world? It's been an extraordinary learning experience. I've had to use a a hybrid publishing model. So it's been professionally edited. I've got professional illustrators, et cetera. But I chose not to actually go down the query route because I, I was very time specific. I'm also a mom who works in healthcare during the pandemic full time, ensuring that patients get the right care in the right place at the right time. So my days are very, very long. Um, I wrote Louie and the Dictator not only to raise awareness, but also to donate to the hospital team that helped my son prior to the pandemic as a way of giving back. So I I gave a portion of my royalties from Louie and the Dictator to that hospital. 
And so it's been a very rewarding and very challenging experience. For example, I had no idea how much marketing is involved. So I've had to um, create my website from scratch, set up an Instagram, as many of your author listeners will understand, start using Twitter, basically haul my 47-year-old carcass into the 21st century. (laughs) And so that's been uh, quite interesting, quite challenging, but amazing. I've met uh, a lot of wonderful people, including yourself this way. When you set out a goal, sometimes, uh, I guess, the universe or God, whatever your belief system is, sets out little breadcrumbs for you. And you meet people along the way that share that journey with you. And uh, thank you for being part of that. I love that. I just posted about that metaphor of breadcrumbs um, because I heard that from a coach. And and it just really resonated with me, that idea that you don't need to know exactly where you're going right? You just need to take one step at a time. Just follow that next opportunity. It's perfect you mentioned that, Jackie, because my my blog is called makeoneshift.com. And I write about uh, some of the tools used in my profession. I am a change management professional or a transformation specialist. So I lead teams through complexity and uncertainty like a global pandemic. And from that, I write, I started writing about uh, different tools used in my line of work to support people in setting their goals. And so I set up this hastily written post-it note at the height of the pandemic where I challenged myself to make one shift every day to achieve my goals. And at that time, there was two, was to publish this book, mm. to raise funds for BC Children's Hospital, and also to deliver a, a TED Talk. And both of those things happened this year. So I really believe if you sometimes set an intention and just do one thing towards that every day, it all adds up. And, and then again, you meet wonderful angels like yourself along the way that, that help you in that journey. So it's been magical, even though the year has been devastatingly hard and exhausting on other levels. Mm-hmm. And I want to dig a little deeper into your writing process. So did you have a writing background before you decided to write this novella? Because that's a pretty big undertaking to do while you're juggling your your day job, your son and his needs. Yeah. So um, for listeners out there, um, hopefully you can relate to this. I don't have a master's in fine arts. I, I My background is international relations and project management, but I've always been a quote unquote good writer. I've really enjoyed it. Um, it was my, my way to self-soothe and relax during the pandemic and uh, I wanted to take it up a level and ideally become an authorpreneur. Now, that's not happened. (laughs) I've barely made, I haven't actually even made any money because I've donated all my royalties to BC (laughs) Children's, but um, the journey has been uh, quite extraordinary um, in honing the craft. Um, I've had wonderful editors along the way um, teach me silly things like I didn't know how to, when to indent when a speaker was, a new speaker was um, introducing a new concept or um, using that too many times. There's been a few little things that uh, people have, have, have helped along the way. I can only say that my gift would be storytelling. Mm. And um, I leveraged that and my love of writing and brought in the professional resources and paid for them as I needed to make sure it was a, a good releasable product um, and went from there. So encouraging anyone who doesn't feel that they're good enough, just do it. Uh, you yeah. can pay for someone to be, or you can get volunteer beta readers or going on websites with lots of um, other author groups has been really invaluable to help. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm impressed though. I mean, that's still like, how long did it take you 
from start to finish, from when you decided I I'd like to write this this book to when it was you were like first draft. Six weeks. It was just it poured out what? of me. What? Yeah, uh, that's crazy. Now I think because this was my son's story and it was our lived experience, I put him to bed at night and I'd write from nine at night till midnight, one in the morning. Because I'm not saying that that's healthy, but it just poured out. Wow. Um, and then I I started researching simultaneously um, different uh, self publishing models and firms until I and I talked to lots of writer groups to find one that was legitimate and. And uh, they were very good at um, allowing me to purchase the, the things that I needed and then support me in the distribution and setting up an ISBN. So that mm. extra bit that I just don't have time for as a professional, they took care of. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm hearing that as one of the reoccurring themes is, you know, if you can outsource some part of it, if you have, you know, the resources, like do it. Especially if you um, are taking care of family or... You have mm-hmm. other obligations in your life. It's challenging. Totally. Um, and so what about uh, this idea of working with your son's story really intrigues me. Um, one of the themes that I come back to in this podcast is how mothering changes you as a writer. So how, how do you think that manifests for you? For me, becoming a mom to a, a child with some additional needs really splits your heart open. Sorry. I could get all emotional. No, please cry. Um, I will cry. It, I will cry. It, it has helped, I think, become a more emotive and relatable author. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if if you look me up on YouTube, I do some free readings of the story split in three parts. And there is a section where one of my son's experiences that was particularly hard when he wasn't eating certain foods, I actually cry in it. I still cry when I read that mm-hmm. section. And so I think... For those moms out there who write, your stories are gold. Mm. They come from your heart. They're important. And we need to hear them. Yeah, that is really beautiful. I mean, anything that has so much resonance that, you know, it still makes you cry after you've read it. I think I've, I read on Twitter somewhere that authors read their stories like 3,000 times. But that still, that passage still has that power even after reading it a million times, like that's incredible. What's been really cool in this experience is I've actually had adults reach out, not just children, and say, where was this book when I was going through this? Again, it's a very little understood condition, but one in 40 people globally have it or it mm. goes undiagnosed. And um, often families think they'll grow out of it. Mm. And that's not the case. If you can catch it early and treat it early as uh, we have with with my boy, it's been uh, life altering and positive. So that's been something as a parent that's provided immense satisfaction. And for for other moms out there uh, writing their stories, your life and your life experiences, even if you're writing something fictional or romantic or what have you, I find it'll feed into who you are. Your soul ends up being a part of of your work, and that's possibly I don't know about your reader or your listeners, but. I, f- I find it exhausting. So people often ask, what are you going to work on next? And I'm still <laughs> absorbing that this happened. <laughs> I feel like I need to refill my bucket again because it was such an emotional process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to start crying now. My son was recently diagnosed with epilepsy. And so that has been 
I think a challenge to me as a writer, because part of me wants to process it in the same way, um, write about it. And I have, but I've kept them really private. And so I'm really, you know, curious to hear for you, because part of me is like, what can I share? That's, that's right. That's his story. I don't want to put things out there that could impact him later because you know it's a lifelong condition he's always going to have epilepsy but i also feel like i need to write about it and i want to share about it like how did you navigate that yeah that's a tough one and i don't know if i have that correct i, I did ask his permission mm-hmm. and he'd sit beside me and uh, the story louis is not his name uh, the dog is not the dog's name in our home in real life mm-hmm. so we've used pseudonyms our surnames are different. I never changed my married name mm. to, to offer that protection. I don't show pictures of him on social media. Mm. And uh, yeah, we did work together. He finds uh, he's 11 now, was diagnosed at seven. He finds that um, he's, he's happy to share with others mm. how he's gotten through this. The OCD, the voice in his head will be there always, but he has a toolkit that he uses mm. And I talk about that in my TED talk a little to disempower the voice. We all mm. have voices in our heads, whether we have a condition or not, that tell us maybe we're not good enough or we shouldn't write or we don't have a story to tell. And uh, his journey is your journey and my journey. Um, whether you have a condition or not, we can all relate to something telling us that we are other or not good enough. And he's been very proud of 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 helping others. So he sees himself as uh, I have this, but I've overcome and I'm a leader and I can, I can help others. Now, maybe when he's a teen, he'll hate me, (laughs) (laughs) but they will anyway. So that's, I think that's part of the course. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And I see that you really um, involved him in the writing. Like you, yeah. he was helping you to decide the nature, the direction of the story, even if he wasn't yeah. sitting right there. He helped choose the illustrator, for example. He's been mm. part of the whole journey. He has been my biggest fan. He's been telling the librarians at school to get the book. <laughs> He's been super proud. So that's it's so it's brought us closer. He'd sit with his little uh, Chromebook next to me on the laptop in bed. He writes really good novel. Like he's started writing too. I'm so proud of him. So uh, maybe he'll turn that into to something one day. Wow. So okay. I mean, obviously your role as a mother is so like essential or, or fundamental to this project. What do you think if you didn't have a, a child and would what would would you have had this creative um, spark to write or do you think it would have been channeled into something else or do you think there was something about this experience of motherhood I have always wanted to write a book and I think mm-hmm. the motherhood piece pushed that forward because I felt I have a message I need to send out right now and it's time specific mm-hmm. even if I hadn't had a child when I was in my early university years and traveling I've always wanted to write um a fictional piece, but around our family's uh, history, I have um, Greek heritage and there's some great stories I need to dig out from my dad around my great grandfather living on the Turkish coast. And at a time um, when the populations were being transferred and there was war, his servant told him to pack up his wealth because he was quite wealthy and had a chest of gold. And, and he had to become a refugee and flee to the island from where my family now come from. So there's all these rich stories 
that I think your readers can open up the closet of their family history and can write about and find inspiration. So I may, mm. I may still do this in the future. I'm hoping with some more time, but that would have been something maybe I would have worked on if I didn't have mm. a child. Right. This, but this experience maybe just um, spurred you, got you going. Yeah. Well, I love that because, you know, it only takes that 2% of action, right. To get things moving but it's so easy otherwise to stay stagnant. Make one shift every day. Make one it's shift. One, it's by life, make one shift. <laughs> and, so, and so is is make one shift part of, like you mentioned that that's where you set the goals to write this book, but what's, what's make one shift about? Right. So that's my website. Um, so to add confusion, my author website is makeoneshift.com. And so you will see things about the book, but you'll also see more professional writings. And you'll also see... Um, a blog that focuses on using change management methodology to achieve your goals. Studies have shown if your readers are interested on that business side piece that if you apply a structured change management approach to any change in your life, you're six times more likely to succeed. And so began a thought experiment. So I started to introduce a tool, like we'll use this in an organizational context, but here's how I've applied it in my personal life. Things Uh like simple rules. Or things like um, the adaptive action cycle, which I I speak to in my TEDx. Uh, They're very simple tools that we use in business or in organizations. But what if you use them on yourself? Yeah. Um, I found that really interesting. So tell us some tips, because obviously now you've shown us like the fruits of your change management approach applied to your personal life was six weeks. You got this manuscript going. Wow. Most people were just not wearing pants during that time. I wasn't baking sourdough and doing other cool things, right? (laughs) I didn't bake sourdough either, though. I don't even know what I was doing. But so tell me, like, what what are some top tips then? Like, can you um, share for... The, the writing moms, because, uh, you know, you, you get how busy it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of my favorite tools, um, again, that I speak to and write often about is the adaptive action cycle. Um, it was pioneered by this organization called the Human Systems Dynamics Institute. So long story short, it takes complexity science and makes it as simple as possible because we're working in chaos right now, right? We have a global pandemic. Things aren't normal. And so the idea is when you're feeling overwhelmed and you don't know where to start, there's three questions. What? This is what is known. So what? This is what is possible. Um, And then the now what? What is your when wise or adaptive action that you'll take? So I'll give you a micro example from my child's perspective. The what? When he hears the OCD voice in his head, he knows that it's the OCD voice and the OCD lies to him. Mm. His so what becomes I have tools that I'm aware of that I can use, and I'm going to apply one of those. Based on how he's feeling after he's applied one of those tools, his now what then becomes, okay, this worked this time, this didn't. What am I going to try next time? Am I going to use this tool or am I going to use that tool? So essentially, the theory is you try one thing, you observe the patterns that shift, and then you try something again based on your learning that's fit for purpose. And from that, I've been doing, I've been holding these three questions in my head every day mm. on things like marketing, on things where I'm stuck. I, I, I don't, I get overwhelmed by the wealth of information. Mm-hmm. It helps me to just focus this month or this week. I'm just going to try this and I'm going to watch what shifted or didn't. 
What surprised me? What will you try now? What will you try again? What will you try differently? So that's how I've been inching my way forward. Yeah, that's a really great way to put it. I don't think anybody has like the magic bullet when it comes to marketing or we'd all be doing that. (laughs) I think we're all inching our way forward. And so how has that worked? I don't have a, a lot of financial resources. So I've Try to leverage the social media and obviously opportunities like this, reaching out um, to local, um, local, I've had a lot of local press and uh, mm. linking the story to something that is uh, a theme that's important, like mental health, right? You can use hashtags and a whole bunch of things. You can look at a hashtag calendar. There's always every day of the year is, uh, I think yesterday was Nash, National Read Aloud Day. So you can tie your book or your product to a particular theme of the day or message. So there's a lot of creative ways to get your stories out. My now, what I think is going to be trying to focus my market, focus on librarians, schools. At the moment, I can't even, uh, where I live, we're locked down. I can't do anything in schools or readings, but uh, I'm trying to get creative with digital outreach, et cetera. There's only mm-hmm. so many hours in the day. So I did invest in um, a few professional reviews like Kirkus, things that I could add to my website that sort of legitimize because I am conscious that I self-published. And maybe some listeners think I'm not a real author, although I dispute that. No, that's not. No one thinks that. <laughs> okay. I'm going to get all defensive. Some of the writing goods are horrible about that. Like, oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no, I've got good reviews. This is a good product. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm selling. <laughs> no, we don't got time for that, Lisa. Good. Good. So, but I love this idea. So what is I want to like walk me through that? I want to leverage a national day. Um, so what would be okay? I need to find a day that aligns with my book, and then you would come up with some activity connection. Connected to that. And then the, the now what? Yeah, things like observing what what changed. Did you have more sales uh, because of mm. that? Have you got new? Suddenly you might find yourself, um, you'll have, you'll often find whether you use Instagram or Twitter, you'll find you'll have other people outreaching or commenting. So engaging with those people mm-hmm. um, in unique ways, it, it always opens up something new for consideration. Mm-hmm. And do you track your um, re- results? Like, do you have a spreadsheet and you're like, I got this many likes or. Yeah. You can't do that on Twitter. You can see activity. I do. I could get too obsessive and I, I work full time in healthcare. So mm. I do track at a high level. I can, I can track sales on Amazon I, or mm. even in the hour and the day after something gets released. Um, I get a rough sense of um, how much interaction I've had. Right. Um, usually the most valuable things are when I encounter, again, people like you that have a, an established platform and we collaborate together um, to expand that reach as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe Leveraging it's not, reasons. right. So it's not as much about like being very granular about quantifying it. Because I think this this reflection part is really important and I've heard it come up before in lots of different contexts and i know it's so easy to not do it so but maybe for you it's not as much about like filling out a cell in excel but just maybe like just taking note like okay i did that and what happened and maybe i'll just make a note of it or just like mentally file that away that sort of thing is you can get as granular or as relaxed as you like um jackie you hit the nail on the head it's just observing imagine a kaleidoscope with every shift you get infinite patterns and possibilities. And so 
as I keep taking steps forward in this journey, I watch for new patterns, but I also check in mm. with myself. If mm. I'm too exhausted with the social media or something, um, I'm thinking maybe with maybe mental health month, I will focus more on uh, targeting therapists in advance or oh. targeting um, libraries uh, and then maybe do a couple of things on social media with with relevant hashtags. Um, hmm. I also have to be mindful of my exhaustion uh, and burnout. because <laughs> uh, I had a bit of burnout last summer after hmm. uh, the book got published. And uh, and I found out I, I got through three rounds of interviews for the TEDx. I kind of just went <sighs> collapsed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all not... Well, most of us are doing this on the, you know, exactly on t- top of many other responsibilities. So, yeah, not getting overwhelmed. I think again for myself, I did get overwhelmed. And I just like I was like, I'm out for, for like five years. I just didn't do anything. <laughs> My hat goes out off to anyone who's got kids under five or, or preschoolers. I didn't do anything like this mm-hmm. until my child was, you know, nine or ten. Mm-hmm. It's so hard because you want to be present for them. It's those are the golden years. And you're probably up many times in the night at this point. So please don't be hard on yourselves. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, our mental health matters too. Totally. Because there's no replacement for you, mom. (laughs) Mom's out there listening. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so what... What what do you hope for the future? Because I feel like that you, you I know you mentioned you're, you're not ready to think about it, but is there some part of you that has like a, a vision of like what could be possible with this book and with Makeshift Happen? Yes. Yeah, so my first hope is um, we start having more conversations in schools and in the home that um, destigmatize mental health in children. And so Louis and the Dictator presents, I think, in a very sensitive way, an example of a child struggling with their mental health who's the hero of his own story. So I want any child or any parents with children with additional needs listening to this to know that diversity is important in literature and that uh, your child can be the hero of their own story and sometimes small shifts in mindsets can really help transform their circumstances, particularly when everyone's feeling anxious about this pandemic and and conflict in general in our world. My hope around Make One Shift is I wouldn't mind writing a grown-up book as I start to gather more information in my field where you could use uh, some of those tools that I talk about in change management, whether it is to improve your your physical health, almost like a self This isn't self-help because this uh, self-help to me means this suggestion that you're not good enough. It's just um, an observation of patterns and decisions on your end around what you want to do with them and the further observations that come from that. And so I wouldn't mind writing a grown-up book around that. Um, Possibly the, 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 the fictional Greek island type story as well in the future. I need more hours in a day. <laughs> <laughs> and well, looking back at yourself um, before you wrote this book, like how do you think, how has it changed you? I feel really proud that I set out to achieve something and um, 
it happened, especially in a, in a world like writing where I had zero experience and I felt like a minnow among sharks. And I started literally from a first post on a writing forum saying, here's my budget. I want to write a book. I don't know what to do. Who are the baddies out there? Help me. <laughs> so that's been a, just the amount of learning in the past year from digital marketing to, to what a beta reader is, to mm. all these terms I didn't even know. Um, I'm proud of, of all the information I've learned along the way and, and getting something out there that I truly believe in and people are feeding back mm-hmm. has been impactful. Mm-hmm. So how does that make you, like, do you feel like you've changed as a result of, of those? I've always been a, a very determined sort of type A, high achieving, you know, I'll get, I'll get things done, but it has created a greater sense of humility. Mm-hmm. The publishing world's incredibly hard. It works like a dinosaur. Um, I hope that that model changes because people are dropping music and writing and it's ridiculous that my friend had to submit 72 times before she got a positive. So it's, it's making me um, become more creative. It's usually more analytical and listy and projecty. So that's been good. It's making me appreciate how much I love creating my own content. I would love to do that more for a living. Mm. Not sure how to do that, but one step every day, it's going to be a journey. Yeah. It's really making me appreciate um, what a treasure my child is. Yeah, I, I love that. That's so beautiful. I mean, that's what it's about treasuring, you know, the experiences, the times that we have with our kids, but also cracking open a new side of us. I, I love that you mentioned like that creativity aspect. It's coming out in you, even though you knew you, it was always there. But I know we do have a tendency to like nurture our, our practical sides, you know, yes. That's what pays the bills, it seems. Yes. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head on that one. Many of your listeners will probably have grown up with messages around you won't succeed as an artist or an author or uh, those don't pay the bills. And I would say, who? (laughs) Just just go for it. And maybe it doesn't pay the bills right away, but it gives you a fulfillment or a side gig or something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it is interesting that, you know, a lot of the writers um, that I talk to, mom writers, like they, it's like they have that awareness at this time in our 40s where we're like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. You know, I don't want to just do all that work anymore just because uh, society tells me I want to do the stuff that I always wanted to do. And I'm going to start doing it right now. Yes. Yes. Do it. <laughs> do, do it. it. And as moms, we're doing it in those stolen moments. And if you can get help from family and others to give you some dedicated time, all the better. Mm -hmm. And what would your advice be to Lisa who just, um, yeah, right before, I guess right when the pandemic started and, you know, everything sort of fell apart. And so you were in this new chaos, new next level chaos. Yeah. So kill the imposter syndrome. Doesn't matter what other people are doing. Um, it doesn't matter how great you perceive others to be. You have a place at the table too. And so keep making that one shift every day to get to that place that where you feel you are representing your, your art, your authentic truth, whatever it is that you've set up to do. Yeah, that's beautiful. Was it hard because you are very accomplished and you said A-type personality to go from, and you're an expert in your field to go from that to like, 
I'm a novice. I don't know. I got a, I'm a C student now and I'm used to being an A student. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly, it fills you with humility and appreciation for those who've gone before you. Again, my gratitude knows no bound to the numerous generous people along the way who have taken the time to reply to an email or offer a critique or reach out and offer to review something. Um, the generosity of the writing community is staggering. Like I, I didn't expect that. I expected people to be very precious, um, but I have learned so much from others. Nice. Yeah, that's great. Um, so where can, uh, you mentioned your website, where can people catch up with you? Yes. Um, if uh, people use Instagram at make one shift is my handle and you can find me um, at my website, makeoneshift.com. There is a, a comments or an email section. So I can, I can be reached that way or on Twitter at Al Bornelis, long Greek name. <laughs> if you Google me, you can see some various things up on um on YouTube as well. Awesome. Well, well, thank you so much for your time today, Lisa. Thank you, Jackie and listeners. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Lisa shared so many great tips about how to get your book project done as a beginner. But here are the top five. Number one, feeling overwhelmed? Try these three questions. What? What do I know? So what? Which is what am I going to do about it? And now what? which is reflecting on what the impact of that action was. And number two, which is connected to that, with every shift you take, watch for new patterns. Number three, focus on one thing at a time and be strategic about it. Number four, don't be too hard on yourself. Mom's mental health matters too. Number five, if you are dealing with imposter syndrome, know that you can defeat it by taking one action at a time. And number six, never underestimate the generosity of the writing community. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you haven't already, please join the podcast Facebook group, These Moms Write, so that we can continue the conversation. As well, I have a newsletter, which I would love for you to subscribe to. You can find a link for both of those in the show notes. It would help me out a lot if you can review and follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I will talk to you next week. And in the meantime, happy writing.